0: Seven minutes past 9 a.m. on this Sunday morning, and we have been talking a bit about real estate this weekend. It seems that there's always some real estate story that's making people scratch their heads a little bit when we talk about Metro Vancouver. Joining me on the line is Don Campbell. He's a senior analyst, also the founder of the Real Estate Investment Network. Don, great to have you on the program.
1: Always great to be back, Jill. Thank you.
0: No problem at all. Uh, what are your thoughts on? I guess one of the bigger stories this past week was that house uh, on the west side with the killer view, uh, but sold for listed at one or seven point eight 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 million, sold uh, for a little more than nine million. Uh, what struck me in this story uh, wasn't so much that it sold so much over asking because we've seen other homes do that, but was the fact that there were, I believe, eleven bids, uh, all cash offers.
1: Hey boy, if I was the owner, I would have listed. Uh, would have been mad because I didn't list it high enough. <laughs> that's, that's frankly how the owner should feel. But anyway, it, it is an interesting time. You know, it's the. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. We can use that uh, for the Vancouver housing market. But you got to understand that the, it, the housing market is made up of lots of components. And I'm not a realtor, so I can say when it's good or bad. And um, and and frankly, uh, anything to do with dirt. Um, is out of control. The values, the average sale prices, et cetera, that have yards. And then if you have a yard and a view and a large lot, uh, the demand is, is out of control, frankly. Um, but it, if you can start to look at the condo market, um, you know that the the prices are relatively flat for uh, quite a number of years. So it's it's interesting when you start to peel the onion to see. It's I love the stories. The stories are great. They make great headlines about the million dollars that we're asking. Um, but but frankly, really as a as a consumer and as an analyst, you really have to peel the yummy to see what it's really doing.
0: Well, and I suppose not surprising that we're seeing condos uh, be a bit more uh, be stagnant, because like you said, it's not as though we are making more land. It's not as though we're making more single-family homes. Uh, the, the best we can do now is replace, or the best people can do is replace what's already there. So obviously that's going to keep going up in price. And and, and even that one that just sold for uh, more than a million over asking, uh, that's the view. It's not as though we're creating more of that. There's a, there's a lot
1: of turmoil. We have to understand about a number of different things about Vancouver market. And, and one of the th- things is that we are global. Of course we are. And we, our dollar is down 25 to 30 percent. So we're actually on sale. It's like we've got a red for on sale sticker on, on our land. And um, and there's a lot of turmoil around the world where people are saying, you know what, I want to put my money where it's a, a relatively safe capital. I don't even need a return on that capital. I just need a return of that capital. And that's that's the uh, the wealthy people who are buying in in Toronto, in Vancouver, in Calgary uh, right now when there's a when there's a downturn in a slow slow market because frankly uh, we see the turmoil that's going on in. Europe and the EU and the refugee crisis, and uh, a lot of funds are going, well, that's kind of scary, and same in Asia. And it, it seems to be like uh, that. the analysis seems to be almost one subject at a time. Oh, first it was the foreign buyers. Oh, look, okay, we should stop the foreign buyers. Oh, wait, forget that. That's not the foreign buyers. Now it's the Agriculture Land uh, Commission stopping the growth. Okay, now that, and then the next, you know, we're always seem to be grasping at straws, and frankly, all the straws are in play right now.
0: Uh, what about the idea of a bigger tax for somebody who is doing that and, and not trying to hide it, but parking their money in Vancouver, looking at it as a safe place to do that, uh, has no intention of living in the home and is just purchasing it to, to put that money. And there is talk, there have been calls for an, an additional tax or a higher tax for somebody who wants to do that.
1: Sure, like a, a surtax. now. <laughs> If any of us have ever dealt with a government before, uh, at any level from civic to to national, we understand that taxes um, uh, don't often go to the use to solve the problem. And I'll tell you right now that a, putting a an additional vacant tax on or a tax for quote foreign investors um, is going to be nominal. Uh, it's going to have a nominal effect. We've seen, as a matter of fact, we can use Toronto as, a, as an example. They put a second land transfer tax on. Uh, So there's a provincial land transfer tax in Toronto, and there's a city land transfer tax. They said, we're going to put this tax on. It's going to slow the market down. And what it did is it slowed it down for three months, and then people just normalized it, and then off it goes. And that tax is not gone to be spent on affordable housing, et cetera. I know that people are saying that this new tax may go towards affordable housing, but still you have to buy the dirt in order to build the uh, affordable housing. And uh, and so so the tax isn't going to solve the problem if, we, if, in fact, there is a problem.
0: Would it, though, and I agree with you, it's not going to solve the problem, but I suppose one of the benefits people are thinking that it could do is just get government more money. And if somebody is going to continue to park their money in Vancouver because it is where they want to park it, it'll become the cost of doing business and at least government gets something from it.
1: Sure, and then as long as the government allocates it for something, i.e., like the gas tax that was supposed to be allocated to improve our roads, et cetera, and hasn't obviously been used that way. Um, I think that that if it's allocated for every dollar, we're going to use this to go and try and solve or provide more affordable housing uh, for the average Vancouverite, maybe, but just throwing more money into a, um, a, a big pot at the city or at the provincial level, probably the city level, property taxes, then you will you will see that money just get washed out into other things and won't solve the problem. It's good, but it's a good idea. But then we have to go back and think about the psychology of the vacant property tax. So you look at the vacant. Oh, we're gonna you know all these properties are vacant and uh, we have to we have to tax those people because they're vacant. Well, frankly, um, if we do that, where do we draw the line on the person who has just? Finally retired and has taken a year off to travel the world. Uh, where do we? Where do we? How do we define the word vacant? And and as soon as you do that, you're going to capture a lot of people who are just, frankly, own the property and their mom got sick in Texas and they had to go there for two years to take care of family and then no one living in the property. You know, it's it's going to be a really great area. The ideas behind these things are seem really clear. But I think the, the actual implementation is going to be fraught with all kinds of problems.
0: Well, and, and even that, I remember talking to a Vancouver City Councillor about that exact issue a few months ago. Actually, it was probably more than a year ago. And he made the exact same point, saying, what are we going to do? Come up with a city government committee and their job is to parole, like, go through the streets and peek in people's windows and figure out, oh, no one's lived in this house for a few months. And at what point, you're right, at what point is something deemed a vacant house?
1: That's right. And, and the other side of it is, as is, is you just described, what would be called a bureaucracy that's going to cost a lot of money. So are we going to actually net very much um, after setting up the, the, the rules and regulations around any of these taxes, whether it's a trans- transportation tax or whatever we're going to do to try and capture tax, and the bureaucracy that's going to, to be, have to be built to monitor it, collect it, send it to collections – um, in court, you know, all those different things. Are we actually going to net something? Or is this just like one of those um, we're rallying uh, against something to show optically as politicians that we're doing something? Sometimes optics gets in the way, right? Everybody mm-hmm. likes to be seen to be doing things. And, um, and the, the impact is so different than what's seeming to be done.
0: Uh, Don, we need to take a short break, but I want to continue talking about this. My guest is Don Campbell. He's a senior analyst, also a founder of the Real Estate Investment Network. We're going to continue talking real estate when we return. Continuing now, my guest is Don Campbell, senior analyst and founder of the Real Estate Investment Network, talking about real estate, uh, specifically in Metro Vancouver. And Don, one of the stories uh, was in the Globe and Mail, I believe, uh, this past week uh, was profiling a young dad who purchased a home in Nanaimo. He now commutes three times a week to vancouver on the float plane saying it's what works for him and his family it's much cheaper and so he makes that commute uh, is that to, is that to you a, a sign of uh, innovation or a real estate market that's gone a little bit crazy it's actually a
1: sign of a few things that uh, number one is innovation and 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 being creative and where am i going to raise my family where they can have a yard and a lifestyle and out of this big city that's for sure um, it's also a sign of technology because if they only, he only has to, tr- to travel for three of the five days, that means he's able to do his job from home. But we're also seeing that trend occurring uh, out into the Fraser Valley. People are people who bought like a Vancouver special, as they like to call them, uh, for a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars, now selling them for a ridiculous two million dollars, are looking at acreages and lifestyle choices of living out in the, in the valley, Maple Ridge, Abbotsford, uh, even out to Chilliwack. And um, so it, it it's not, it, if we get rid of the dirt equation and we just start talking about the condos, then we can get rid of the hashtag need a million and we can start using the, the, uh, the hashtag don't need a million and start looking at the, the reality of the market. Some people are doing incredibly well. They've lived in their house for 25 or 30 years, and uh, now they get to retire and they get to use that money to however they'd like, Um, that's, that's pretty good. It just makes it more difficult for anybody who wants to buy dirt in the greater Vancouver area.
0: Uh, That's one of the things, too, I find when we tend to compare Vancouver to other markets, and we tend to compare it to Toronto, just because Toronto (laughs) is also an expensive one. Uh, But I think we we make that mistake of looking at Vancouver proper, comparing it to Toronto, whereas you really have to look at Metro Vancouver, because Toronto amalgamated. It's a huge, huge area. And if we're trying to compare things that are the same, you have to go outside of the Vancouver city limits.
1: It's a mistake that a lot of people make. And that is, to, to, to support their theory or their thesis, they go out and they find a way in which to match numbers. And uh, okay, that data—if I just pull this one little section out, that now the data matches. And look at my, look how smart I am. And unfortunately, that leads to an awful lot of confusion in the market. You know, i have seen a lot of demand for, for instance, in Toronto and Vancouver for micro suites, and everybody's going, "Wow, well, that's the way of the future, and that's the way it's going." Well, if you just Took one breath and stepped back a little bit and looked at the demographics. What we're seeing is in the micro suites, um, we have 27% of the population are baby boomers in Canada, 27% are the millennials. They're coming out and they're going, I can't afford anything but these micro suites, so that's why the demand is there. But inevitably, there's going to be Relationships that are formed, uh, babies that are created, and then suddenly the microsuite demand is going to fall off, and the demand is going to be for the one and two bedrooms. And that, when that occurs, about four or five years from now, where you see that trend, that demographic trend really hit, that's when you're going to see the condo prices start to take off, and that's when it starts to get unaffordable in Vancouver. <laughs>
0: when it starts to get unaffordable right. it's true uh, yeah. you mentioned too uh, the people that are, have been living in their homes for 20 30 years because that is also a group that that we tend to hear from when there's more of a call for tinkering with the system or more of a call for exactly. government to get involved and, and rightfully so people saying wait a minute hands off my equity i've worked i've worked at this i've, I've had this house i i don't want you tinkering with that
1: And I've played by the rules that you set 25 years ago, and I've played by your rules, and now you're going to change the rules on me? And and there should be some some frustration in that side. If somebody wants to pay a million dollars over for your house, you're probably not going to be part of the the protest. You're going to be part of the, hey, maybe we should uh, uh, open a, a bottle of champagne and then move to a beautiful acreage with a view of Mount Baker out in the Fraser Valley. You know, it, it's quite interesting. Or maybe we should just give all that money to our kids, which I see, I've seen people do. And um, it's really interesting how we you're – actually, your you're lead-in song for this segment, Who Can It Be Now, yeah, from Men at, uh, uh, Men, Men at Work, from, mm-hmm. uh, you, you played that, and that's exactly what seems to be happening. Okay, so who are we going to blame now? Who are we going to blame now? And, I'm, I, and, and I got a, a caller the other day that said, you know, I'm, I'm really upset that my, my millennial kids won't be able to afford a property in downtown Vancouver because I want them to have a yard. And I said, that's right. That's why a lot of people live in Port Moody. That's why people live out in different areas. Go to New York and try and buy a piece of dirt. Go, to, <laughs> go anywhere that, they, that, you know, we keep calling ourselves a world-class city. And then suddenly we don't want the world class side of it. We just uh, on the price side, we just want the world class uh, trophy to put on our mantle. And when you're if you're going to be a world class city with a safe environment, which is a safe place for people to park money, the unfortunate thing is is that the the average prices are going to go up, and no matter what the government tries to do. It's going to be that. They're going to try to do it. But the impact's going to be quite minimal.
0: Uh, and I think, too, when we hear that argument, uh, which we do hear quite often, uh, people saying it's unfortunate my kids won't be able to purchase a home with a yard and that. Uh, but it's not always – I think it's shifted because it, it used to be more downtown Vancouver. And there I think there's more of an acceptance now. OK, but maybe you never could have purchased a home in downtown Vancouver. But in places like Delta or in places like Coquitlam or, or such, they're also becoming so expensive. And, and maybe people didn't anticipate or realize that it was going to, to go up so high in the suburbs where there was an idea that maybe you could purchase a home with a yard.
1: That's correct. And, 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 and just like every other, quote, world-class city, the ripple effect, as we call it, the Doppler effect, keeps pushing farther and farther and farther out. You know, and 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 the restrictions that the the Greater Vancouver area and the Fraser Valley have is this agriculture land reserve that will not be developed into residential. So we all love that. Hey, I live rural and I love farming, and um, I don't want that to go away. But the unintended consequences of having rural that close to a major city is that the, the demand and I mean the housing prices. Um, have to go up because they have to densify and there's less dirt available for housing. It's, and, but you go to Calgary, uh, where I'm standing at the moment, as a matter of fact, and there is no, there's no restriction, right? It just goes to the Rockies and then goes to Winnipeg and you can just keep building and building and building out as it fulfilled the demand. And that, that kept a little bit of a cap on the value increases here versus a Vancouver or a restricted, uh, New York or Manhattan kind of area.
0: Uh, one final question, uh, just before I let you go, sure. Don. What about the the changes we did see when the federal government uh, brought in the mortgage changes, as far as the down payment for things over half a million dollars? Do you see that having any impact?
1: Uh, it had a little bit of an impact when people started to panic, and then they they started to look at the look at the math. And uh, if you actually look at the the, the math, the first five hundred thousand dollars is exactly the same, and then any property that has uh, any portion over and above that $500,000, your your down payment on that portion had to go up at the same time. So um, the math is not as horrendous as I thought it might be when the announcement was made. It had a psychological impact, but just like that second land transfer tax in, um, in Toronto, um, we will normalize that over the next six months, and then everybody will just go, okay. Well, I just have to uh, generate more money or buy a, a, a lower-priced property, and that's kind of interesting because the condos that are in that $499 and below are going to have tremendous demand, both psychological and demographic, and and so they're going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Developers are going to have to keep making the unit smaller and smaller and smaller, from two-bedroom to one-bedroom to micro suites. And, um, and to keep the price in an a, a quote, affordable region. And interest rates aren't going anywhere for a long time. So that's good. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that's helping because I remember my first mortgage, it was 16 and a quarter percent. And, um, and so when I hear people go, oh, what if the interest rates go up? I have a point. I'm going, hey, yeah, that's terrible. It might go up to two and a half. So um, the interest rates are helping. Uh, they will go up with the federal deficits that are being created, for sure. Um, you, you've got uh, a lot of factors that are going to play into this market, but frankly, they're not making any more dirt. And um,
0: <laughs> Bottom line, no more yeah. dirt. Uh, Don, we'll have to leave it there. Always great to chat with you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. That is Don Campbell. He's the senior analyst, also the founder of the Real Estate Investment Network. A lot of people emailing after I played those two uh, answers, one from Vancouver's mayor, the other from the prime minister, dealing with uh, affordable housing. I will share some of those emails. I might even play the answers again in the final half hour of the show just because they are so mind-boggling. So we'll have that, uh, and again, I'll share some of the email as well. You can still reach the program, Weekend News at cknw.com. Or J Bennett at cknw. When we come back after the news headlines, to nine thirty, we take a look at the hooker monologues. We'll find out more about that when we return.